You're listening to a news report podcast from TheBody.com, the Internet's most comprehensive HIV-AIDS resource. I'm Miles Helfen, Managing Editor of TheBody.com. Swine flu. If you haven't heard that lovely phrase yet, you've been living under a rock for the past several days. As a swine flu virus appears to make its way across the world, so has misinformation and confusion about what the virus is and what sort of a threat it poses, particularly for people with weakened immune systems or some people living with HIV. To help us fill in that knowledge gap, we're going to spend a few minutes talking by phone with Dr. Joel Gallant. Dr. Gallant is a professor of medicine and epidemiology in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and he happens to be one of the leading HIV specialists in the United States. Dr. Gallant, thank you very much for talking with us. Thank you, Miles. My pleasure. So let's start with the basics. What is swine flu? Swine flu is just a new strain of flu that has not been circulating in the population. As a result, nobody has any immunity to it. It's an influenza virus, just like other influenza viruses, but it's just one that human beings haven't seen before, and as a result, our immune systems don't have any memory of it, and that makes us a little more vulnerable. So when it comes to people living with HIV, then, how does this translate? Are are people with HIV more at risk for coming down with swine flu? Not really. HIV-infected people are not, in general, at greater risk of influenza or flu than other people, and that's in part because the cellular immune system, the part of the immune system that the CD4 cells comprise, is not really responsible for fighting the flu. And so as a a result, HIV doesn't make you more susceptible. And and for most people with HIV, the flu is pretty much the same as it would be with, with somebody without HIV. The only exception to that is that because people with HIV are at higher risk for pneumonia, and because flu can increase your risk of pneumonia as a complication of flu, people with low CD4 cells could be at higher risk of complications of flu if they do get the flu. And the the most important complication is pneumonia. The bottom line is that if you're HIV positive but you're on medications and doing well and have a reasonably good CD4, there's probably not much to worry about. But if you're quite immunosuppressed, if your CD4 count is well below 200, then there is a slightly increased risk, but certainly not the same level as the risk of some other diseases like tuberculosis or something like that where the CD4 cells are so important. Well, it sounds more like you're talking about people have a greater risk not of getting swine flu necessarily, but of suffering complications related to it if they have a low CD4. That's right. Yeah, the risk of getting the flu is the same. I'm assuming viral load doesn't really make a difference here? Probably not much. Again, the viral load could contribute a little bit to the risk of complicated flu if you had a high viral load, although I I suspect the CD4 count would be a little more important. In general, if you look at most influenza seasons, certainly at our clinic, of course, we tried to vaccinate everybody against the flu, but we we really don't see a lot of people getting really sick from the flu. We don't really see a lot of uh, need for hospitalization, and certainly we don't see a lot of death. So I think that with respect to the swine flu, it it shouldn't be much different given what we know so far about this strain now, although, again, this is a new epidemic and we may get more information as time comes along. Do we know if any of the people who have been officially diagnosed with swine flu so far are HIV positive? Not to my knowledge. I haven't heard any reports of uh, someone with HIV getting this flu yet. Though certainly there's probably been a lot more cases in Mexico than we've seen here in the United States, and 
it's entirely possible that someone was HIV positive, but we haven't heard any information about that. What precautions do people who are living with HIV, be they in Mexico or the United States or anywhere in the world, need to protect themselves from swine flu? It's pretty much the same as for anyone else. Normally, I would say get a vaccination, but that's not available yet for this strain of flu. So the next best thing you can do is to try to stay away from people who are sick. Wash your hands because hand contact is a very common way of spreading this. If there's flu going on in your community and you can avoid being in crowded places with a lot of people, that probably would help. But short of that, there's not really uh, much you can do. So you said that there's no vaccination for this flu. If a person got vaccinated for the last flu season, uh, in late last year or early this year, say, will that do anything to protect them from swine flu? No, unfortunately it won't. That, the vaccine for this last winter's flu covered flu strains that are not the same as this swine flu, and, and it would not provide protection. All right, so that, that flu bird has flown, then, yeah. I guess, as far as Yeah, that. exactly. They are, they are trying to come up with a vaccine for, for this one, but... That wouldn't be available for some time. So if a person were to come down with swine flu, what are the treatments that are typically available? There are actually a number of drugs that are active against various strains of flu. The ones that are most widely used are Tamiflu, which is a pill, and then Relenza, which is an inhalation. Both of them are effective against this strain of flu. So if you were to come down with symptoms, then it would be important to try to get this medication and, and start taking it uh, relatively soon. You don't want to wait too long or it ceases to be effective. Remember, the, the, a lot of people will, will refer to cold symptoms as a flu, but it's important to distinguish between a, a common cold and a flu. Flu is something that where you have pretty significant fever and muscle aches and fatigue before you actually get respiratory symptoms. So it's not like a cold where you get a sore throat and then maybe you feel sick a day or two later. Here, you, you really can all of a sudden feel really wiped out and with muscle aches and fever, and uh, th that would be a time when you'd want to start taking the medication. If you're in a situation where you're starting to feel some symptoms, it might be a cold, it might be something worse, you're starting to develop the fever and the, and the achiness, how long do you wait before you, say, go to the doctor and say, I need Tamiflu? Well, normally, uh, in a normal flu season, I would say that you're better off just staying in bed. <laughs> but in this case, because there are public health implications to making the diagnosis, I think that if someone were to come down with true flu symptoms now, especially if they were living in a state where we hadn't yet reported flu, I think it would be very important to go in and get checked out soon. And uh, some of the, the reason for that is not so much for your own benefit, but to alert the public health authorities so that they could figure out what's going on in the community. But at the same time, you could be started on Tamiflu or, or Relenza and benefit from that if it was started early enough. Do you know how readily available Tamiflu or Relenza are? I have not heard of any shortages at the, at the present time. I'm told that there are big stockpiles and that there is enough Tamiflu to go around, that it's being shipped out to states that are reporting flu cases. So I, I haven't heard that there's certainly no reason to rush out and, and try to stockpile it. It's, it is available. And is this the sort of thing that is typically covered by private health insurance, Medicare, ADAPS? It's covered by private health insurance. 
I'm not aware of whether it's on ADAP formularies. I sort of doubt it, although perhaps some states would have it. That's a state-by-state issue. Can Tamiflu or Relenza potentially interact with any HIV medications? Or even you had referred before to the possibility that people with particularly low CD4 counts could be at greater risk for complications related to, well, swine flu or flu in general. So if they're at risk for something like pneumonia and they're taking Bactrim, is there any kind of interaction risk there, too? No, the drug can be used with antiretrovirals. There's no significant drug interactions. It can be used with the drugs we commonly use to treat or prevent pneumonia. So that really should not be a concern. But uh, do keep in mind that if you were to develop flu and then develop pneumonia, of course by then I hope you'd be under the care of a doctor, that Bactrim may not be the right drug. So Bactrim is a good drug for pneumocystis, but not a great drug for the types of pneumonia that might complicate flu. All right. Well, is there anything else that, as an HIV physician who actively treats HIV-positive people, that you'd want to tell HIV-positive people listening about all the swine flu craziness that's now overwhelming the news? Well, you know, for the most part, I've been reassuring my patients that they don't really have to think about this differently than anyone else, and, and that's in part because most of my patients are on treatment and have undetectable viral loads and have decent CD4 counts. So for them, it really is not a special issue. It's an issue we all have to be concerned about. I think so far the, the news from the United States, at least, is that this is likely to become a bigger epidemic than it is today, but so far it seems to be fairly mild. There haven't been any deaths in the United States, but given what's gone on in Mexico, I, I do think we have to be certainly vigilant about it, and I think that we'll just have to see over the next few days how things play out. So no need to panic, but... No, definitely not. I mean, so far, this doesn't look like the kind of SARS or avian flu sort of pandemic that we have have been worried about in recent years. And if I had to bet, I would say that this will end up being perhaps a big epidemic in numbers, but not too much worse than just a regular old flu season, except that it's happening at the wrong time of year. That's what I hope we'll see. But like I say, we'll have to just see what happens as the data emerge. I guess we'll stay tuned. Well, I have saved the most important question for last, which is, uh, is it not true, sir, that you are most likely to get swine flu if you eat pork that's been imported from Mexico? (laughs) No, you're not going to get it from eating the pig. Maybe if you're raising the pig, that might be different, but it's okay to eat it. Yeah, I suppose we should just leave it at that before people use their imagination. Right, right. Dr. Galan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. My pleasure, Miles. The opinions expressed by hosts or interviewees in this podcast do not constitute professional advice, should not be considered substitutes for professional services, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Body Health Resources Corporation or its sponsors. Please see the full disclaimer online at thebody.com. If you have comments or questions, please contact us. This has been a news report podcast from thebody.com. Be sure to check in at thebody.com frequently for the latest news and information on HIV, including in-depth interviews with HIV-positive people, researchers, and healthcare professionals.